Hey, everybody. Ever wish you had the gift of multitasking? Well, maybe not after today's show. We're blowing up the mists of multitasking with guest Dave Crenshaw coming up next on The Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A UN security measure aimed at stopping the violence in Syria has failed today after another veto from Russia and China. For the third time, China and Russia have vetoed a Security Council resolution aimed at ending the violence in Syria. The measure, which got 11 votes in the 15-member council, would have threatened non-military sanctions on the Assad regime if it did not pull heavy weapons out of populated areas. British Ambassador Mark Lyle Grant was furious at the veto. Mr. President, the consequences of their decision is obvious. Further bloodshed and the likelihood of a dissent into all-out civil war. The Russians say it's not the council's role to force Assad from power. Warren Levinson, New York. Tough travel conditions for the London Olympic Games could get trickier as train operators are threatening to strike. Olympic travel chaos may just have gotten worse. Some 400 train workers are threatening to strike for three days in central England during the Games. Drivers for East Midlands trains say the strike would be from August the 6th to the 8th among the busiest Games days. If going ahead, they could be highly disruptive. Olympic soccer matches are being held across Britain and spectators are likely to use trains to get to these venues and others around the capital. Union officials are in talks with management over pension reform worries. Charles de London. Getting around in London isn't the only problem facing the Olympic host city. Tourists are finding it increasingly difficult for pay, to pay for things as ATMs run dry. Tourists be warned, the Olympics crush has begun in London, and so has the scramble for cold hard cash in the pricey capital. Lines are getting longer at cash machines, and visitors are in shock over high prices. Stores in the Olympic Park only accept certain credit cards, and a British financial authority is even recommending that tourists make sure to bring British pounds with them when they arrive. Britain had a test run ahead of the Olympics when some cash machines in the city ran dry over a four-day holiday. Charles de la Desmond, London. The new model year Ford Escape is being recalled with some unusual directions to consumers after three of the vehicles caught fire. This is not your usual recall. Ford is so concerned about the risk of cracked fuel lines in some new 2013 model Ford Escapes that it's warning owners not to drive them in for repairs because they could catch fire. Its unusual advice is park your SUV. The dealer will come to pick it up and drop off a loaner. The recall affects 11,500 escapes in the U.S. and Canada. Models equipped with 1.6-liter four-cylinder engines, only 4,800 of them have been sold. The rest will be fixed before they leave the lot. I'm John Belmont. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We're doing what we can on this show every single day of the week to help you and your loved ones grow healthy, long-lasting lives, strong relationships, and maybe some sanity. And today, I think we're going to take on the sanity factor as we start to address the issue of multitasking. Is it real? Can you do it? 
And or are you are you just, you know, blowing some smoke? Are you just really thinking you're greater than you really are? Are you, are you tricking yourself at how effective this multitasking thing really is? We're going to tear it apart, and we're going to be bringing on an expert, Dave Crenshaw, who's a speaker, an author, a CEO coach, and he's going to help us basically, I think, blow up some of the myths surrounding this concept of multitasking. Now, I, I wish I could do it. The funny thing is I've taught time management for years, and I still, even though I know all these time management skills, I don't have a clue how to multitask. And I don't think – I just don't know if my brain works that way. Um because I've tried. I really have. I remember my wife like saying, hey, I need you to watch the kids. Watch them. And if all I had to do was watch the kids, fine. That's great. So my wife leaves. She comes back a few hours later and she walks in the house and then she'll say one of these things. The house is a mess. And I'm like, yeah, what's your big deal? What's the problem? Uh, count your kids because I've been watching them all morning. The funny thing is I can watch the kids, but don't ask me to watch them and clean the house and answer the phone, and the door, and feel good about it, and not watch my show, and all of these other things that are going on. But a lot of people apparently can. Apparently there's people out there that are just absolutely convinced they can do four, five, six things simultaneously, and it's working. And it's working for their life, and I don't get it. I I honestly don't believe I'm that slow. I really don't. And I don't believe that they're that advanced. So are they just misunderstanding their success? Are they – is it misplaced success? Or are they just doing a bunch of things that are completely irrelevant? That's what we're going to try to blow up on the show. Figure it out because I, I think there's more and more stress coming down on us. I, and I don't think it's going away. Um, there is a, a new study that came out. And I think some of this is flat out because of our technology. We are probably feeling more and more of a need to do more. Uh, just because we have the technology to do so, apparently, they have made us stronger and faster, right, and smarter. We're bionic. We're like the bionic man, my favorite show growing up. Uh, you know what? I'm not feeling bionic. I'm feeling like neurotic. I'm feeling crazy. I'm feeling like I can't keep it up. Do you feel the same way as you're driving home from a crazy, hectic day? Do you just love getting in the car, shutting your door Turn on your Sirius XM 143 BYU radio and then get a phone call in the middle of it and feel obligated to be driving 75 and answer your phone. It's crazy. And yet we do. And we know that, you know, the next light, I better just stop and just, you know, tweet so everyone knows I'm in my car. Don't want everyone. I don't want anyone thinking I didn't. I didn't want everyone to know I was in my car. So I, hey, just drinking a drink in my car at a red light. (laughs) Tweet. Uh, are we going crazy? Is it just too much? Are you being overwhelmed by it all? Apparently, this online, the technology, all these tools we've got now can honestly be driving us crazy. There's a new study that came out that uh, from CBS Charlotte affiliate that, that says basically this. People who are constantly online can develop mental disorders. So hear me out. Get off that computer, this, the article says. A new study finds that if you're constantly being online, you, it can affect your mental health. Researchers at the University of Gothenburg, which I'm pretty sure I've researched. It's not where um, Batman lives. Recently studied more than 4,100 Swedish men and women between the ages of 20 and 24 for a year. And that they found that the majority of them who constantly use a computer and mobile phones can develop stress, sleeping disorders, and depression. 
Okay, so these are mental disorders, stress disorders, sleeping disorders, and depression. Sarah Tomey, who's the lead author of the study, said that there was a central link between computers and mental disorders. High quantitative use was a central link, she said, between computer use and stress, sleep disturbances, and depression, as described by the young adults that were tested. Tomey said um, – that's what she commented of the study. She said it's easy to spend more time than planned at the computer. And this is where we start to get stressed. So we're working, we're gaming, we're chatting, we're doing all of these things on the computer, and the time kind of slips away. And this tended to lead to time pressure, neglect of other activities, personal needs such as social interaction, sleep issues, physical activity, as well as bad ergonomics and mental overload. So because we're so caught up in all these other interruptions, which is just the constant use of our computers and our phones, that it may actually be causing us stress sleep deprivation, and and things like that. Demands for availability originated not from work, the study says, and the social network, but also from the individual's own ambitions and desires. So as you're sitting there online doing whatever you want on your computer, and it's not, it could be even important, your, your time slips away, so you're not actually developing your own goals, your own dreams, your own desires. This resulted in disturbances when busy or resting and the feelings of never being free, the difficulties of separating work and private life. Tomey explained in the study, unreturned calls or messages led to overload and feelings of guilt. Now, as a guy that just finished a doctorate, I had neglected a ton. <laughs> Working on my doctorate, I would, re- I would start to – it would just stretch in. If I gave it two hours, I would fill the two hours. If I gave it seven hours, I would fill the seven hours. Now, some of it would be interruptions. Some of it would be text messaging. Some of it would be you know just looking at games and stuff or whatever online. Meanwhile, I'm not getting my doctorate done. I'm not getting my doctorate done. I'm ignoring my family. I missed my son's ball game and all of these other pressures come up until you finally explode. When I finally finished the, the doctorate – I was so relieved. And then I spent one whole week watching nothing but uh, past episodes of Arrested Development on my Netflix account. I'm so messed up. That's just how we are. We're going to fill our time with something. But now we're thinking the solution is multitasking. You know what? Not true. We're going to bring on uh, one of our experts, our, our CEO coach, Dave Crenshaw, and Dave's going to give us some insights, some tools. We're going to blow up some of those myths. We're going to help you take your life back, for heaven's sakes. And maybe the fastest way to take back your life might simply be blowing up the myth that you can do it all, A, and it's all important, B, and C, you can do it all simultaneously with three other things going on. That's what we're going to be dealing with right here on the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Stick with us. We will be back with some tools and answers right here on the Matt Townsend Show, Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It's a virtual computer touchscreen without the screen. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Microsoft is demonstrating a developing technology called the OmniTouch Projected Interface. Using a laser-powered Pico projector and a short-range depth-sensing camera perched on your shoulder, the system turns every surface around you, including your forearms and hands, into an interactive multi-touch display interface. Imagine... No more struggles with the lack of screen real estate. This touchscreen is only limited by the size of where you project it. 
Demonstrations of the system show people holding just about any flat object up and being able to interact with the projection just like a physical computer tablet. The system can put a row of working buttons on the wearer's forearm and the palm of their hand, as well as making any nearby wall or tabletop a secondary screen or keyboard. Gamers would obviously be interested in OmniTouch, but the projection system's ability to overlay virtual data interfaces on real-world environments could have applications in practical fields, from the gear worn by emergency first responders to surgeons, factory workers, even police and military personnel. With this projection technology, you'll literally have a new trick up your sleeve. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. An artist's passion for music is born when the desire to create beauty is planted within them. Witness the stories behind the passion and performances on The Song That Changed My Life, Mondays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on BYU-TV. Richard and Linda Iyer are world-traveling family coaches, and they have some advice for you. From how to deal with a rebellious teenager to managing a family reunion, the Ayers have experienced it all. Wherever they happen to be traveling in the world, you can always find them here Monday through Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. Everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Do you have double vision? Because I do. Do you have double vision? Are you starting to see too much? Are you seeing too many things you can do at one time? Is it driving you crazy? Today we're blowing it up, blowing up the myth of multitasking. And uh, who better to start off our show here than our own audio engineer? Now, many of you haven't heard from Sheldon Smith yet. He likes to be called the man, the myth, the legend. He runs our board. He's our audio engineer. But we've asked him to put together a little bit of a, uh, a piece to kind of explain, I guess we've asked him to step away from something he loves deeply, which is the world of computers and technology. And he put together this little bit about multitasking and how he sees it on a daily basis. Hi, I'm Sheldon. I'm the guy who sits behind the board during the show trying to make Matt sound good. So, uh, I normally don't do these little segments, but today's topic made me think of one of my favorite things, video games. Don't judge me. Seriously, though, video games have a ton of multitasking, especially in real-time strategy games like StarCraft. For those of you who don't know, a real-time strategy is basically like a game of chess that needs a high dose of Ritalin. Some of the finer points of playing StarCraft include making worker units, mining resources, building unit-producing structures, scouting your opponent's base, adjusting your build order, building up defense structures, watching the minimap, gain attack and defense upgrades, scouting your opponent again, disrupting his economy, protecting your workers, pushing out with your army, controlling the map, defending your bases, positioning your army, protecting your flanks, counterattacking, adjusting unit compositions, building more units, pulling back wounded units, using unit special abilities, creating diversions, exploiting weak points, retreating, reinforcing, attacking during timing windows, and taking down his base before he destroys yours. All of this done in real time. Simple, right? Needless to say, there's a lot of opportunities to drop the ball, 
and the fact is, it's just not possible to do everything at once. In fact, your main screen can only show one small area of the game at a time, and you have to bounce back and forth between looking at your base, your army, and your opponent, and devote small amounts of time to each task before shifting your focus onto the next one. So, how does all of this relate to the real world? Well, have you ever tried talking on the phone while typing an email, and then ended up typing what you're saying, or vice versa? My point is, multitasking is just plain hard. And in some ways, it's not even really multitasking so much as switching back and forth between different tasks. Now, I'm pretty sure that most people can walk down the street while chewing bubblegum without the fear of tripping and choking. But in that case, both actions have been consigned to the realms of autopilot. In StarCraft, we gamers do the same thing by setting different actions to hotkeys on the keyboard so that we can make units without having to go back and look at our base, hopefully letting muscle memory take over and get some work done for us. But when that big attack comes, most players completely forget to keep those units building. In StarCraft, we call this letting your macro slip, because it's a big part of the game, and it causes big problems if you neglect it. In some ways, it's like a college student who's watching a football game while writing a paper that's due tomorrow, but I'm willing to bet that that brilliant idea that he has for the next paragraph will be lost to history with a 50-yard touchdown happening at the same time. Or better yet, the teenage girl who's texting her mom, gossiping with her BFF in the next seat, listening to her favorite song on her iPod, and the fact that she's driving 70 miles per hour down the freeway can just be put on autopilot. Yeah, I'd hate to see a macro slip in that situation. So in my opinion, it's just not possible to have 100% of your focus on multiple tasks at the same- Shoot, he's rushing me! Um, Sheldon? Can you quit playing video games? Oh, now you made me lose. <laughs> you poor guy. You know what? That just stressed me out. How do you do that every day, Sheldon? Seriously. I don't know, actually. It's going <laughs> to make you lose your hair. I don't know. I find some enjoyment in it. Uh, you know what's funny about it, though, is Sheldon, if there's anyone in this space that has to multitask, it's Sheldon. He's running five things at one time. He's got to get the timing right. All these things are going on. So apparently the video games are helping him. But we're going to go to our expert now, Dave Crenshaw. He's a CEO, coach, speaker, author of The Myth of Multitasking. Dave Crenshaw, you there? I am here. How are you, buddy boy? I'm, I'm great. I'm fantastic, Matt. Now, are you a video gamer? Actually, I am. I was, I was really enjoying that. That was pretty funny. Did you understand everything he said? Because it was just psyching me out. I did. Well, you know, it's not my. I got it. That's I not got your it. game. Uh, it's yeah. not my favorite game, but yeah, <laughs> I, I totally got it. That is so crazy. Okay, blow it up for us, Dave. D- is there such a thing as multitasking? Uh, no, no. That's the the first problem. Is that the word that we're using is just a poor word to begin with? Right. Uh, what is really happening, and I, I think Sheldon did an awesome job with that. Uh, is we're switching back and forth rapidly. It's why I call uh, multitasking switch tasking. Oh. Because your brain's not able to handle one, more than one active task at the same time, so you actually switch back and forth rapidly between all those tasks. Now, that's interesting because even if the tasks are just irrelevant, like, I mean, you can sweep and I, I don't know what else you do, sing. Can't you right. do both of those? Yeah. But I well, guess your brain's why, like, uh, sweet, <laughs> sing, sweet, <laughs> sing. Yeah, well, that's why in my book I call, uh, I, I make the distinction between switch tasking and background tasking. Okay, good. 
because background tasking is when something mindless or mundane happens in the background that doesn't require your attention. So, for instance, running on a treadmill, watching TV at the same time. But the problem is when most people say that they're good multitaskers, Mm -hmm. what they're really talking about is switch tasking. Okay. See, you're clarifying it. So we're not as advanced as we thought. We're just still a bunch of monkeys. Well, we borrowed the term from computers. The, the, the term actually came out oh, originally in the 90s yeah. with Windows. Yeah. And it makes sense with a computer, doesn't it? Because we don't well, have to process it. I mean, we, we, we process thing. it differently. Yeah, if you look at the definition of uh, multitasking in, in a geek dictionary, mm-hmm. it will say the computer's apparent ability to handle multiple active tasks at the same time. Oh. So what it's really doing, the computer is doing, is actually switching back and forth rapidly. Same That's thing. why your computer gets hot while it's mm-hmm. running. That's probably why we burn them out so much at my house. So it's just an apparent, right. it's, a, it's an illusion is really what we're really, Now, how did you get into this? Because of all the things you could have focused on in your life, you chose this one, Dave. Well, it, it started, I actually began uh, as a business coach uh, back in 98. And my attention started to turn toward this because I was working with so many entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs inherently uh, have the tendency to want to multitask because they don't have five or six job descriptions. They've got 16 or 20 uh, job yeah, descriptions. Totally. And, yeah, so I, I started to help them get in control of their time. That's really what, what began this. And I always knew I wanted to write a book, and I realized I just had so much darn material on just the subject of multitasking that it was very easy for me to uh, put the first book together. Yeah, and you, you, um, the, the reality is, is you're probably saving a lot of people just a lot of, I don't know, uh, guilt, just blowing up the myth, I think, because it's such a – the idea that I'm sitting here just – I'm such an idiot. I can't do many things at once, but I look at seemingly all these people that do, and I can't keep up, and what if I get behind, and it's horrible. Well, I've, I appreciate what you're saying about uh, saving people the guilt. I've also heard people say that I've saved their job or saved their marriage Yeah, maybe more uh, as a result of teaching them this. That's incredible. Uh, but, but on the other side, you know, looking at it on the, on the flip side, a lot of people are very offended by what I have to say because they've tied their identity to their busyness. Interesting. Yeah, totally. Don't you think? Like if I'm getting a lot done, even if it's all meaningless, I feel really good about myself. Right, right. And so when I come along and say, no, when you're multitasking, you're actually being less effective, you're making more mistakes, you're increasing your stress levels. To someone who has prided themselves on their ability to multitask, that's a really hard uh, mental shift for them to make, and so their their initial reaction is usually to, to defend it. Mm-hmm. Does um, do you, when you look at like this concept of multitasking, I wonder if was this as big of a deal in the 1900s? In 1850, was this concept of multitasking? An issue, or do you think technology is adjusting it? It's it's impacting us. Expectations are impacting us. What's ha- what? Well, what do you think's driving it? Yeah, I, I can't get in my time machine and tell you what it was like in 1850. Well, have you not I read a book? Tell Dave? You, yeah, but but the, but what I can tell you is that uh, the pace of life has created this uh, this need that people feel they have to to cope 
with it. Yeah. But I don't think that technology is necessarily the problem. I mean, I'm actually a, a really big uh, geek at heart. I love uh-huh. technology. I love my toys. What I teach is that it's the improper use of technology that's the problem. Okay. It's the improper understanding and application of what it can truly do. So tell us, give us some examples of like where the improper use is starting to create this this stress, this confusion. This... Well, in your, your example, uh, at the beginning of the hour where you were talking about someone driving in their car and, and tweeting oh, yeah. while they're on their car, I, I've actually seen, I saw a, me- a video on YouTube where someone is driving along uh, in their car and texting while they're driving. Oh, man. Uh, I saw another uh, video, or not a video, but a picture from a university professor, and he said, he said, Dear students, I can tell when you're texting during class because no one looks down at their crotch and smiles. <laughs> <laughs> it's true point. Very good point. Yeah. That is um, so, sad but true. Did you yeah, hear that? Did you? This, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it, 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 there's so many things that your phone is capable of doing, that your computer is capable of doing, but most people do not use them in the way that they were intended and they abuse them, and then that creates the multitasking. Well, and it blurs it. It seems to blur our mind because of all the times that I should probably be focused on one task, you'd think that would be at about 75 miles an hour driving a 3,000-pound vehicle. Like of all moments, I should be in my brain it should be that moment, not necessarily, you know, worried about, you know, where to meet so-and-so. Which is exactly why I create the distinction between switch tasking and background tasking. Because that question comes up, can you drive while you're talking on the phone at the same time? And there's actually a great study out of the University of Utah that showed that it's just as dangerous to, to do that as drive while intoxicated. Yeah. Um, so the question that I ask is, when you're talking on the phone, while you're driving, are you switch tasking or are you background tasking? For instance, if I'm on a deserted stretch of highway from, uh, let's say, Utah to California, uh, then perhaps it is truly background tasking. Right. It's not like I'm having to make decisions. No. But if you're doing that while you're in a crowded city street, there are too many switches in your attention taking place, and that's where the accidents happen. Oh, and that's exactly. where you're dangerous is driving under the influence. Did, um, in fact, did you hear of the story? It's, it's just been out in the news the last couple of days of a young girl. I can't remember how old, six or eight years old, that um, she has autism. She, was, she lives in the third-story building, like a high-rise in New York. But she walked out of the wind on the window and was standing on an air conditioner unit three stories up. Her mom just sadly was, you know, was um, – busy in the house doing something and didn't know that her daughter had walked out on this air conditioner vent and they had someone filming this and some bus driver guy got out of a I guess he was waiting to pick up his next bus to drive he was a bus driver for mass transit he ran over saw the girl and the girl took a step and fall fell three stories and he caught her and I sit there and yeah, I think I did hear. oh my heavens what how many times because we're busy and I'm not saying that the mom was busy, but that's such an extreme example of one person that was focused on one thing, catching a girl, and another person that was focused on other things, not knowing where the girl was. It's just so common in our lives, and it impacts us. Well, and that, that brings up a, a good opportunity. I, I've got a, a test that anyone listening to this can take. Yeah. 
if you if you don't mind me sharing the yeah. link to it. Yeah, go to it. Where where uh, can they get it? Okay, if they go to DaveCrenshaw.com forward slash exercise. DaveCrenshaw.com forward slash exercise. If you go there, you'll see a little video, and it will walk you through uh, an exercise. I do this in my live uh, speeches that I do to corporate events, uh, and it's also in the book, The Myth of Multitasking. And in about two minutes, you're going to understand very, very quickly the three consequences of multitasking. That's perfect. DaveCrenshaw.com forward slash exercise. So everybody, go... Go do that, but we're going to take a break. But, Dave, when we come back, I want to get into some some other tools, some ideas. I want to hear how this impacts business. I want to hear, are there certain people that are more prone to multitask? Maybe we can even get into the genders, or, or is one gender more prone than the other? We'll talk about that with Dave Crenshaw, uh, CEO, uh, coach, speaker, author of Myth of Multitasking, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. For the 2012-2013 season, BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. Don't miss BYU football. Touchdown! Cougars take the lead! Men's basketball. Davies to the middle, and the right hand stop! Women's basketball. Brigham Young University Cougars are the West Coast Conference champions. Baseball. A walk-off grand slam, and BYU wins it! And more. All the major sports, all season long. Only on your home for Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. While campaigning in Florida, President Barack Obama is denouncing Mitt Romney's tax plan for its effect on seniors' Medicare coverage. Launching a two-day Florida swing, the president zeroed in on the seniors' health program, saying Romney's plan would voucherize Medicare, shifting an estimated $6,400 in costs onto the average senior, all as Republicans call for fresh tax cuts for the wealthy. It's wrong to ask seniors to pay more for Medicare just so millionaires and billionaires can pay less in taxes. That's not the way to reduce the deficit. Romney argues the plan would transform an unsustainable program with competition and choice. Obama says it really tells seniors you're on your own. Mark Smith at the White House. Officials at the Pentagon are weighing in on recent leaks of sensitive information and say the leak isn't coming from the armed forces. Officials don't know the source of the leaks, but House Armed Services Committee Chairman Howard Buck McKeon doesn't think they came from the Pentagon. I feel pretty secure that that they're not. McKeon met behind closed doors with Defense Secretary Leon Panetta and other Pentagon officials. I think all three agreed that damage has been caused. Pentagon spokesman George Little says Panetta is being proactive. The secretary is uh, clearly... uh, uh, prepared to uh, try to address the problem inside the department. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. Unemployment applications over the last week have surged up, causing some alarm, but some economists say this was expected. The Labor Department says new jobless claims surged by 34,000 last week to 386,000. But economist John Canale of LPL Financial says the figures are distorted by seasonal factors. Seasonal factors give us and the seasonal factors take it away. The jump in claims follows a big drop the previous week when the usual auto plant summer shutdowns did not materialize. Other factors were severe weather and end-of-quarter adjustments. Canale says there's a better gauge. If you just look at that four-week average, it smooths it all out. The less volatile four-week average fell 
fell by 1,500 to 375,500. David Melendi, Washington. While more people are out of work, fewer previously owned homes were sold last month. However, realtors are not alarmed just yet. Part of the reason there were fewer distress sales, and with that, prices were on the rise. Wells Fargo economist Anika Khan says it's part of a return to normal. The housing market is still very much in the stabilization uh, stages. And Walter Maloney with the Realtors Group says falling supply of homes is having an impact. Right now, unsold inventory is 24% below a year ago. But when you look at what's happening in terms of, of uh, price ranges, it's tightest in the very low end. At the same time, Builders are ramping up their activity with demand for new homes on the rise. Mark Hamrick, Washington. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody. Is time running away from you just so easily? We are talking about multitasking, how to take your life back, blow up the myth, uh, and kind of get into a little bit more of reality about what's going on in your mind and your brain while you're trying to do multiple things at once. Because it's an interesting thing for me. So to to the men in our audience, you men out there that are listening, do your wives and daughters just complain to you about how you can't do more than one thing at a time? Have you heard that one? Well, it turns out that it might just be a difference between the sexes. Here's Corinne Collins reporting on whether us men just cannot multitask. It's an age-old complaint that men cannot seem to do more than one thing at once, which is why researchers at the University of Hertfordshire in England decided to finally find out if men are actually worse at multitasking than women. According to the results of the study, where both women and men worked on a number of simple tasks, such as searching for keys or an easy math problem at the same time, the women significantly outperformed the men. When observed, the researchers found that men often jumped right into the task ahead, while women went about the problems methodically and logically, enabling them to do multiple things at once. The study was conducted with 50 male and 50 female students, who each had eight minutes to perform three tasks at a time. As they performed the tasks, they also received a phone call, which, if they answered, gave them an additional general knowledge test to take while carrying out all of the other activities. The results showed that women were able to perform well in all four activities at once, and it's perhaps enough evidence to settle that age-old complaint. Why are men so incapable of doing more than one thing at once? Well, maybe they just are. Rude. Did she just say, is she putting men down? Coco. Oh, boy. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. Apparently, as men, we even struggle with the multitasking thing. We're bringing on a man, uh, Dave Crenshaw, who's a CEO coach and expert in multitasking. who's helping us blow up the myth of multitasking. Dave, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. You bet. So what's your take on that? I mean, apparently, even <laughs> the genders are getting involved now. Well, I know it's a surprise, but uh, most studies can be made to say pretty much most anything, and depending on how you interpret the results, uh, (laughs) you're going to take it different ways. Uh, Let me explain. Uh, There was a study out of the University of Syracuse uh, that found that that you can get better at multitasking, and that's what the headline said. Uh, right? You can, if, you, if you practice things, you can get better at yeah. it. Well, I actually wrote to the uh, professors that conducted the study. I said, just curious, if people perform just one of those activities at a time, how do they perform better? And they said, oh, they always perform better if they do one at a time. 
And, <laughs> and this gets to the heart of that example, that study that was just cited. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. Women are faster at making switches than men. Okay, that's uh, very important how okay. I worded that. Yeah. Yet, when they make switches, they still take longer, they still make more mistakes, and they still increase their stress levels versus doing one thing at a time. Interesting. It's, it's just math. And yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're 16 or 60 or man or woman or what country you're from. Right. Every person experiences switching cost whenever they switch. And switching cost creates those problems. You can't avoid it. Now, fill me up because, like, for example, um, Sheldon here needs to switch our board for all of the microphones and things. So there mm-hmm. the costs are probably – I mean, yeah, but I guess if he was trying to multitask or uh, switch tasking, I mean, he's, he's got to be proficient enough to, to make it work. But there are very real life costs to to doing this. Like what? What are the costs? Well, the, the obvious example that I think everyone has experienced to some degree is they're at their computer, they're typing an email, a message, and then a phone call comes in. They pick up the phone call and they answer the question. Yeah. Then what do they need to do? They turn their attention back to the email. They yeah. have to reread the email, which increases the time. Yeah. Uh, they they have to gather their train of thought. Or if they're really off the charts ADHD, like I am, yeah. they'll completely forget they had an, a, an <laughs> email on the screen. Go do something else for two hours and leave that unfinished email on the screen. Yeah, there's a cost this right is, there. Yeah, exactly. And, and these little costs really start to add up. Basics research out of New York found that the average loss of time for the average knowledge worker is 28%. That's an entire work week every single month. Holy cow. A work week per person. Correct. Oh, my heavens. And, and my field experience working one-on-one with entrepreneurs, working with their teams, has found that to be pretty much dead accurate. When yeah. I finish working with something, somebody, usually they reclaim about 20% of their time. And Okay, so that, and that's in the business world. What are the costs do you see at home? What are the costs you see in relationships or just in personal success? I love that question because one of the things I'll do when I speak at a, at a corporate event is I'll do a little exercise where I have people talk to each other and then I have them switch roles. But the second time, I want someone to multitask on the other person. And then I ask them in one word, how did that make you feel to have someone multitask on you? And the consistent word or concept that I hear is unimportant. Now, think about that. If you woke up and turned to your spouse and said, hi, honey, you're unimportant. What are you going to do today? (laughs) (laughs) That would be ridiculous. Loser. If your kids came home from school, hi, kids, you're unimportant. (laughs) How was school today? Yeah. We wouldn't do that. Never. Yet. Every day we do, we do that. It. Yeah. That's exactly what we're communicating to people. And that's where the consequence really hits in on, on relationships. That is enormous. And, and it's so subtle, isn't it? It's not even um, – it doesn't have to be spoken. It's just noticed because you, you don't focus yeah. on me. You didn't even hear what I said. Yeah. One, one uh, the best testimonial I ever got, which I won't be able to use, and you'll, you'll see why in a second, was the wife of a business owner that I had coached. And she came to me a couple of months later, and she had tears in her eyes and took me by the hand and said, I don't know what you did to my husband, but thank you. Wow. Because he used to switch tasks on his family constantly uh-huh. and not pay attention to them. Now if you saw him, you wouldn't even recognize him. And, and he built 
rebuild relationships. That's the good news. Yeah. Is even if you've been doing this, you can rebuild the relationships by starting to focus on people. Well, that's what's funny. They Once you finally are actually focusing on them instead of the switch tasking, you're going to finally get traction. You haven't even been getting traction in your relationship because you're switching in and out so much. Right. Right. You, you, you think you've been spending time with your loved ones, but what you've really been doing is spending time in the presence of your loved ones. Yeah. That is, um, I think that's, I think that really is the big problem with the myth is that you're not present and you're, you're, you might be in the room, but you're not in the moment. You're not in the conversation. And so you're really not even in the relationship. Powerful. What do you go teach them, Dave? When you go and you go into their business and you sit them down and you see that they have a switch tasking problem, how do you, what do you teach? So what are some things that we can do as listeners to, to reclaim our life and blow this thing up? Well, the first thing that I teach, and it's part of how I work with people, is that conditioning matters more than discipline. This is not a matter of discipline, willing yourself to stop multitasking. This is a matter of creating an environment and creating conditions where you automatically choose to focus on one thing at a time. Hmm. So, so the... the it is a process yeah. that I take people to because repetition creates conditioning just like a pro athlete or a professional musician. Right. Um, but there are some things that anyone listening to this can do to start creating that conditioning on their own. And the first thing is to turn off all those digital notifications that they're getting. <laughs> the, the text messages, the emails, yeah. the, the beeps, the buzzes, all of that. Turn it off and instead choose a time in your schedule or choose multiple times in your schedule. Heck, choose once an hour if you want to. That's still better than constantly checking your oh. messages throughout the day. But then how will I feel validated, Dave? How will I feel validated exactly. if people don't want me every five seconds to tell me something I didn't even want to know? Right. Well, it, it, it's a matter That's of true. focusing on results right. instead of instead of busyness. So good. Love it. So you're actually saying don't turn off all the immediate ones and then go at a specific time so many times a day, have a structured time where you're going to download them all, bring them all in and assess them. Right. And then and if and two things are going to happen. Number one, people are going to start to get the idea and second, you're going to find that you're making less switches in the day. And I think that's really important, Love it. an important part of my message, because people say, well, Dave, I have to make these switches. Yes, you do have to make the switches, but you can reduce the amount of switches yeah. that take place in your day. That's the key. Love it. That's great. So they do that. What else? What are some others? What are some other little tricks of the trade? Well, uh, so I talked about some of the external uh, interruptions that happen. Let's talk about the internal ones, the ones that you're doing to yourself where some of the people, in the, while they've been listening to this, in the middle of listening to it, they think, oh, that's right, I forgot to take care of my laundry, or I forgot yeah. to take care of whatever. Yeah. That's the problem of using your mind as, as a gathering point. And when you do that, it creates uh, a natural switch tasking in your, in your head. So what we want to do with those instead, all those thoughts that you have, instead is write them down and then have a time to, to go through those, in the same way that we do with the messages. So Excellent. when the interruption comes in your head, get it out of your head immediately, put it into a safe spot, and then have a set time to go through all those items and deal with them one at a time. So is that basically, I guess, just like a task list or something on your phone, somewhere where you can just get it down, and then I guess forget about it until you go and have that moment to work on those things? Right, 
as long as I, the only thing that I would say is make sure that it's a, a consistent spot and it's one spot. Yeah, so because not if you not a post-it lots note. Of places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Post-it notes are good for one thing and one thing only. What's that? And that's making notes for someone else. Yeah, give them a note. <laughs> Here's a note for you guys. That's <laughs> yeah. true. But so, because that's what the problem is, then everyone just, they don't, what you're saying is they don't have the process. You're just saying create a process to capture these floating thoughts that are internal, get them somewhere where you can act on them, get a specific time that you'll act on them. And that little process will eliminate some of the switch, need for switching. Correct. It'll, it'll start to reduce it. And I've seen people who, who have hard time sleeping begin to sleep better oh, as a yeah. result of, of going through this kind of training. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not a sleep therapist. Yeah. All I'm doing is helping them reduce the amount of switches that are taking place. That is huge. And uh, yeah, any more, because these are like majorly va- uh, valuable, any more that you just can throw out there to save, sure. us, well, save my wife from my craziness <laughs> yeah, and well, my forgetfulness. I think another one... And this this works particularly well in a business environment, but I've seen it work well in personal also, is think about the people where you're constantly asking each other questions throughout the day. Uh-huh. Uh, you're, you're, you're always saying, oh, excuse me, I've got just a quick question. I call that the dreaded double Q. <laughs> Instead, start to set up one-to-one huddles. And the one-to-one huddles are consistent meetings, set place, set time, oh, however often you need is appropriate. And then you queue up all those questions and then ask each other those questions during that meeting. That way you're free from interruptions. You're not switch tasking on each other uh, during the conversation. See, but then again, I feel so popular when people need to interrupt me all the time. It really – because if it goes back to you wanting to get attention or a stroking of your ego or – because some of it is that. You seem so valuable because you're so busy. But really, you may just be less effective. Right. And if you tie your, your identity, your sense of worth, yeah. to how busy you are, then, then I can't help you. No. But if you want to tie your identity to the results that you achieve, then I can most definitely help now you. Now we're going somewhere. Good stuff, Dave. Now, th- you wrote the book, the, the Myth of Multitasking. Where can they get that? And can you give us more information about your website and where to go? Sure. Well, the book is published by Josie Bass, which is a major publisher. So it's available pretty much through any major bookstore. Uh, I like Amazon. I mean, that's where I buy it myself is yeah. Amazon. Uh, so I'd recommend that. And then, of course, they can get more uh, at DaveCrenshaw.com. And also they can take that multitasking exercise. If you've got skeptics in your life, people who think that they're good at multitasking, send them to DaveCrenshaw.com forward slash exercise and they can take that for free. Good stuff. Dave, so appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for giving us the time to fix this so we won't have to bother everyone else. You're a good man. Everybody go to DaveCrenshaw.com, get more information about him. He's a speaker, great author, and good to have you with us. And we'll be back, everybody, with more ideas on how to take back your life, blow up the myth of multitasking right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. an extended warranty when your electronics can automatically repair themselves this is innovation now bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future when your consumer electronics break it's a minor hassle to get them repaired or replaced when a deep space probe develops a fault the parts and labor costs for a service call are considerably higher 
That's why NASA is interested in a new concept proposed by engineers at the University of Illinois for electronic circuitry that can repair itself when a wire breaks. Based on their earlier research of self-repairing polymer surfaces, the same team of scientists propose a layer of microscopic capsules bonded to the wiring of critical circuits and computer chips. If a wire breaks, the capsules near the damaged site break open and release a conductive liquid metal that fills in the gap, immediately restoring the flow of electricity to nearly 100%. Applications for this technology abound in aerospace and military systems, where reliability is paramount. But the same self-repairability will make future consumer products much more durable as well. And scientists are even looking at using self-healing conductors as insulators inside rechargeable batteries to extend their useful life and performance as well. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. What song changed my life? There are a lot of songs that have changed my life. It's a totally brutal question to try and answer. Every musician has that one song that changed their life. Join Tony Award winner Lea Salonga, American Idol finalist Brooke White, and more of your favorite artists as they explore their lives before and after they heard that one song that changed everything. Watch The Song That Changed My Life, Monday nights at 7.30 on BYU-TV. BYU's record label, Tantara Records, has recorded some of the best musical performances both on and off BYU's campus. Join host Ron Simpson for behind-the-scenes musical exclusives and intimate outtakes. Tune into the Tantara Hour with Ron Simpson, weekdays at 10 a.m. at 8 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. We're wrapping it up, everybody, on the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been, you know, slowly unwinding this concept of multitasking. We've learned it's just really switch tasking. And uh, there are some times that uh, that might be useful, helpful. And there are some other times when it just causes chaos. And uh, now what I want to do is go to one of our producers, Bryce Tobin, and hear about some multitasking mishaps on The Bryce is Right. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. We seem to be obsessed with efficiency, and it's definitely not the worst thing to be obsessed with, but something doesn't add up. Let's take 400 years ago. Your fastest form of travel was a horse, the most effective method of transmitting a message was carrier pigeon, and your ability to store food was limited to a few days for most things. And these people still had the free time to visit the doctor for your bleeding appointment or the nightly witch hunts. Today we have many forms of travel that are faster and smell much better than any horse. I have several ways in which I can send or receive a message anywhere in the world world at any time of the day. I can go shopping and have food enough for four weeks. And we've discovered that bleeding does not promote good health and that, disappointingly, 
witches are not real. And I don't know about you, but I feel like this should result in a less stressful schedule, but it doesn't seem to. So to satisfy our obsession with efficiency, we resort to multitasking. And you'd be surprised what goes wrong or what you really manage to accomplish by multitasking, especially to the people around us. Now, I don't know if it's guys or girls who are better. The research seems to be all over the place. But I do know that guys hate having to do more than one thing at a time. For example, I have a hard time going clothes shopping with my mom. My style of shopping is to grab something, give it a thorough check, decide to take it or leave it, and then move on to the next thing. My mother will find something that looks good, throw it at me, ask me what I think, then find something else that looks good, and throw it at me. It only takes 15 seconds for me to be covered in clothes while I have one thing in my hand and I'm trying to hold something up in my other hand to give it a good look-see as something lands on my head obscuring my vision and the shock causes me to lose my progress on my analysis of the other article of clothing. Suddenly I am so frustrated. Suddenly I am so frustrated that I would rather wear adult onesies and just take the ridicule. We've had to set ground rules and since then we've had a much better relationship and shopping experience. Just please never assume someone can or will multitask with a certain activity. Don't subject people to your multitasking. Everyone thinks they can multitask really well. If we could, would we be passing laws to prevent texting while driving? Speaking of driving, dates can be stressful. Let's get real. A lot can go wrong and a lot is on the line. So we tried to do everything right. We inadvertently multitask. So many girls I know have returned from a first date only to say this. The date was okay, but... And then they describe an all-too-familiar situation. The guy is driving the car, and while they exchange pleasantries, he is making eye contact while driving. Yeah, that's a great way to do a first date, terrify her. I mean, I get it, the key to a good date is conversation, but she's not going to care about your study abroad in Haiti that really opened your eyes to the struggles of the human race when she's worried about getting a face full of car dashboard. Speaking of cars, ever had a phone call ruin a perfectly good drive? I like to drive, and I like the conversations that happen while driving, and this one just happened to Rob. Have you ever been driving a friend to the airport, for example, who then takes a call that lasts a whole drive, and it's not an important call by any stretch of the imagination? Yeah, because I've always dreamed of being a chauffeur. It's awful because I can't talk to anyone, I can't turn on the radio, and I only get half of your conversation. So not only am I bored, at the same time I am dealing with confusion and some itching curiosity about what you're really talking about. Or have you ever been at a reception desk where all you need is six seconds of this person's time and then you can be on your way? But they are answering a call and working on something on the computer while trying to fill out some paperwork and yelling at some poor underling. Hopefully you aren't in a hurry... Because it can be kind of fun to watch someone get virtually nothing done and systematically make all of their coworkers want them to die in a fire. But if you are in a hurry, it is irritating because you have to sit through this fiasco and the person is usually less inclined to be anything but dismissive, condescending, and bothered by your request to perform for you the service for which they are being paid. So if you are going to multitask, just make sure you are not interacting with anyone to avoid mistreating them. Multitasking. Because why stop at just doing a bad job at one thing when you can do a terrible job at multiple things and annoy everyone else who has to deal with you in the shortest amount of time. There's the efficiency we were striving for, huh? Alright, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Bryce Tilden. The the Bryce is right. You know, that's a great point. Why do one thing mediocre in a mediocre way when you could do two things in a seriously mediocre way? He's profound. Profound! Okay, I hope we have rocked your world on this multitasking idea. Uh, again, your your date doesn't have to worry about going through the dashboard, as Bryce said. 
again, people matter. It's not about more. It's it's probably at some point we got to start asking ourselves, is what I'm doing important? Um, there's a great quote by Lily Tomlin. Who else to quote on this but Lily Tomlin? If you win the rat race, folks, you're still a rat. Right? So if you win this thing and you finally nail it and you can push a million th- things through your life, you're still a rat. It's Life's not about being a rat. Life's about taking it to the next level. Mohandas Gandhi says this, there's more to life than increasing its speed. Maybe what we need to start to do is just appreciate being present and be in the moment. We probably need to put our relationships first. Recognize that when you're dealing with somebody, they don't want you to be efficient with them. They want you to be effective. Effectiveness is not just about doing a bunch of stuff quickly. Effectiveness would be doing the right things. What what good is it to do a lot of things you shouldn't be doing, but doing them really well? At some point or another, uh, people matter. Relationships matter. In the long haul, I think we're going to all sit back and not wish that we had pushed more things through our lives. I think we're going to wish we just had been more present. We had probably been a little bit more hopeful, that we had probably spent a little more time on the, the, the relationships that matter most. And for that guy, that single guy that keeps scaring people in their car when they go out on a date, that person's going to wish that they had eventually gotten married. It's not going to happen if you're not if you're scaring everybody while you're driving. That's the purpose of the show. Our goal, again, is to give you the tools. Ask yourself, how are you doing in this world of multitasking? Are you too easily interrupted? Are you letting everything else take over your time? Are you not focusing on the important things? Simply put, what's the most important thing you can do today? As you're driving home, instead of thinking about 10 things you're going to get in your house and do and figure out and fix and and all these things you've got planned for tonight, why don't you try to just figure out what's the most important thing I need to do today? If I have 20 minutes left in my life, what would I want to do when I walk in the house? Who would I want to be with? What would I say? What would that look like? And if I were you, I would, I'd go challenge, I'll challenge you to go do that. I'll bet you bucks too, by the way, you go home and do that tonight, you're going to feel something powerful. And that powerful thing is going to be what our guest was talking about earlier, results. There are very real live results we need to have. And some of those are, you know, better time, more numbers, whatever. But maybe more importantly, it's just going to be a sense of connection, a sense of togetherness, a sense of peace. Figure it out. We've, we're all doing this. We're all in the same crazy ball of mud. And let's make sure that we're not making it uh, more stressful for the people around us. Do not confuse motion and progress. Uh, Alfred A. Montepert said, a rocking horse keeps moving but does not make any progress. Let's not just be rocking horses the rest of our life, folks. Thanks for joining us. This, again, is the Matt Townsend Show. If you want to get us uh, any information, if you want to send me an email, just send it to mattchat at byu.edu. We'd love to take your, your emails on that, and help. Uh, you can help us put together new shows. Join us again tomorrow, Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 o'clock East, no, 5 o'clock Eastern Time, again, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation with the Brigham Young University Division of Continuing Education. You find no man at all intellectual who is willing to leave London. No, sir. When a man is tired of London, he is tired of life. 
At least that's what essayist Samuel Johnson had to say about England's great metropolis.